Hello and welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast. This week, we're going to make a deal with God. But first, my name is Pete. My name is Bob. What is up, Bob? Oh, Pete. Um, we've been, we haven't been too chatty over the text the last couple of days. Nope. Um, part of that, I have to admit, I feel like uh, gum scraped off the bottom of a shoe. <laughs> now today I'm feeling a little better. I, I'm I'm on the mend, but basically, uh, again pulling back the curtain, we're getting the full curtain. The curtain is we're bare out here on the stage here, Pete. Um, starting Sunday, I just felt like a truck hit me, and so every night, every afternoon, I guess I really should say, I just have been like crashing. So say like three, four, five o'clock hits, and I feel like a zombie, uh, culminating in last night where I felt like I was going through the, you know, from my waist up, I felt like I was on fire. Oh, geez. But then if you get down to my toes, my feet were freezing cold. Um, so uh, if any of the doctors who listen want to prescribe me, tell me what was wrong, please do. I'm feeling better now. I was hacking up phlegm that felt like small plastic. Um, yeah, man, it was a gross, ungood feeling. And again, the interest of transparency, we were planning to record three episodes tonight. We're probably still going to record three episodes, but I had to bail on one of our album ones because I just didn't have the bandwidth to listen uh, the due amount of times that we here at In Search of Tracks podcast do. So I, I didn't feel like it was uh, honest to do it that with the, to cut the corner. So we don't cut the corners. Pete, I was trashed. How, how have you been? I don't like that at all, but you're around the corner you're a little bit. You're feeling better? On the yeah, I think. <clears throat> Spent the day think, at the beach feeling better? I was at the beach for a large portion of the day watching watching a surf camp go by. It was great. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am, as we speak, I'd say I'm about 68%. But if you had talked to me last night at this time, um, I would have told you, like, Pete, uh, you know, you're a valued friend and uh, a great life friend of mine, and I love you. And, you know, if I don't survive, you can have <laughs> all of my records you, Thanks, they're, they're yours you know like i really was like i was on some if i die i die shit last night so damn ugh, but we're around that corner and i am uh two-thirds as good as i normally am all right <laughs> well next uh, next week I, i'm praying for a hundred percent i'm praying for a hundred percent too uh but to to compensate i have been you know i've had like this weird no no hunger no nothing, but I've been eating like one meal in the middle of the day. Today, I had a grilled cheese at a diner. Uh, it was pretty good. We'll um, call it intermittent fasting. Yeah, well, I mean, that's I, was a couple of my buddies from the beach are doing the intermittent fasting thing. And I was like, oh, well, I'm kind of doing that. It just is a much more sickly thing version of it. <laughs> uh, but but I, I got a four o'clock iced coffee from Wawa. Um and, and let me, Pete, you're you're from New Jersey. You get this Wawa coffee, a marginal at best, right? Yeah, not great. Yeah. Although I, I like it better than Dunkin'. I'm not going to lie. 
Yeah, you might be in the minority. I don't know. That's a good question. I feel Wawa like that's, that's blasphemy to some people, but yeah. yeah I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, so it's worth conversation. I'm not a huge coffee guy, but I was like, you know what? I need that I need that jolt. Let me get something. So I fill my my drink cup up with the ice, go to the iced coffee, not the regular coffee, but the iced coffee. The iced coffee gives me maybe like one-fifth of the cup of the large drink cup of iced coffee. Pete, what the F am I supposed to do? I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? I look around. I'm not putting in the like weird flavored one. I just want the regular. (laughs) So I go, all right, I guess I'm going to have to do this, you know, the old way. I go over to the hot coffee, hot coffee on the ice. I know it's diluting it. Guys, I'm, I'm not, I'm not here for your black coffee takes. (laughs) Pete can give them to me himself too. Uh, do it, put some cream in, put some sweetener, put some more sweetener, put some more sweetener, put some more sweetener. Um, and I think I have a pretty adequate, but man, there's no worse feeling than the iced coffee thing that I don't even really love being out and uh, having to resort to that and having this weird mix. Yeah. So I've suffered through it. I'm down to the very last drips of it as we, as we speak, and I think it's going to hold me through the episode. At least it's holding you through because it doesn't sound great. Mm. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> Not, great <laughs> Not great, Bob. Watered down. Not great. Watered down. It's that uh, post ice drink. Like, oh, this was icy, and now it's almost room temperature. Um, no, nah, man. W- tell me, tell me one delicious thing you ate today. A uh, delicious thing. Um, I had homemade shrimp tacos for dinner. Oh, damn! All right, as a non-shrimp dude. I still like the energy of shrimp tacos. I think they they're were fantastic. Cool. Um, big how, shout out to my wife for hooking it up. How how big are the shrimp and the shrimp tacos? Do you go big? Are they the little ones? Because to me, I think the little ones are the way to go in a shrimp taco. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you can't go too big, right? Because otherwise, right. where do they go? But um, my wife really does not like smaller shrimp. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I like shrimp a lot. She didn't really mm-hmm. like shrimp when we first met like 10 years ago, but anytime there was shrimp cocktail or anything like that, I'd, I'd get into it. And she ultimately became sort of a fan, but she still has this weird aversion to like smaller shrimp, especially like, Interesting. you know, when, you know, when you can get like the tiny, tiny shrimp. Um, oh yeah. 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 Like, like she yes, doesn't, the very she, small will, ones. she will not even fuck with that, but like, really, yeah, but like, but smaller kind of like cocktail shrimp, she'll, she'll try out. So this was kind of like a medium size. The medium. Well, so, you know, there's the the small, then medium and large. If you're going by like the Costco, maybe there's an extra large too. I don't know. The extra large ones really screw me up. I think those are, that's They can get pretty stuff. big. Yeah. Really big, man. But, um, so right. meaty. That's like too, it's too meaty for me, I feel like. But yeah. All right, you know what, Pete? This is a Trax pod first. <laughs> I think I'm going to eat a shrimp taco in your honor sometime this summer. Oh, do it. As a we, try, I need them to be smaller side. We should do it as an episode. We'll just record okay. us sitting at a I got, taco. We got the spot. gear. Oh, little outside evening time, taco time. All right. Yeah. Now, the real question is, what record do we do for that episode? Um, Jeez. Just, I'm not saying answer now, because I think we need to get a good answer. But let's think about that. Something that fits eating tacos outside. Shrimp and then tacos. It's where where are we getting them from? I'm gonna you know, think about that. 
Okay. Maybe we grill at my house. We could do something good. Maybe we grill at your house. Yes. Yeah. All right. It'll be fun. <sighs> Pete, what are we doing this week? This week, we're going to talk about Kate Bush. We're going to talk Damn. about her record, Hounds of Love. Mm, it came out in 1985. Yeah, but it's been on everybody's lips. They're chapped lips recently. Why? Why is that, Pete? <laughs> because it was on a little show called Stranger Things. Uh, have you watched Stranger Things? I watched the first episode, or sorry, first season mm-hmm. when it came out, and I liked it just fine. Okay. Um, but it was one of those things where it ended, and I was like, this would be great if they just kept this as like a one-season like, right bang and we're out and yep. they clearly obviously did not end up doing that so when <laughs> the second season the, four right yeah when the second season came out i was like you know what i'm good because i'm always just trying to watch less television so sure signing on for seasons of shows is not something that i am all about at this point mm. so i just didn't watch it and uh, i haven't watched it since okay. i'm sure it's, i'm sure it's fine i mean people i clearly love it so i um I think I attempted in the reverse, Pete, I'm trying to get into more television because okay. I'm currently, I don't know if there's any TV I like right now. I'm like Interesting. searching for some stuff to watch. There are so many shows that people talk about. I know, but I don't know if I like everybody. Um, there's a few things I, I, <laughs> I like, and there's that. a few things, there's a few things I'm very curious about that I, I have to dive on. But um, I've heard a lot about secession heard a lot about ozark yes. yes i've seen parts of ozark and it seems great i need to watch it when i'm focused yeah and that is the same thing that happened to stranger things season one i think i might have gotten like four or five episodes in and i had that moment where i look up and i'm like wait what the hell's happening who are any of these characters i don't know what's going on yeah and i'm like i'm halfway through like the fourth or fifth episode and i don't i'm not engaging in this at all um, well, that, because, that's the problem. That's what happens to me with like most shows. Yes. I mean, I, I watch dumb shit. Like I, like I watched the Pam and Tommy show. <laughs> yep. 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 I watched, uh, um, God, there was one other that I watched somewhat recently. I forget. The, the last thing I watched that grabbed my attention was euphoria. I have no idea. You want to know the funny story of that is that I believe a friend, I thought a friend of mine, actually a mutual had said, oh, me and my, my wife watched this, me and my girlfriend, I think, watched yeah. this, and it's really good. You should check it out. And then I watched it. I was like, hey, this was great. Yo, that, you, that, that show was great. And he's like, cool, I haven't watched it. And I was like, oh, I thought you recommended it to me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, no, Euphoria, it's like literally the most hypersexual, insane, pseudo-teen drug drama. Yeah. Um, I've heard so much about it. I have not watched it. Yo, it actually it um it kept my attention. It's completely over the top and insane, but like it it kept my attention, and uh, that's kind of all I'm looking for at this point. Because I'm I'm looking for stuff that's I can watch while I'm doing some things, like menial tasks, um, have on in the background. So I'm not sucked into doing something else, which is a funny, it's a funny thing because for my significant other, she cannot have TV on in the background. Yeah. Totally throws her off. For me, if I have it on in the background, it can be a secondary thing I watch and that while I'm doing a task, while I'm, you know, on any, on the computer, I'm emailing something, I'm writing something, I'm working on something. I can have it on and be something that I'm kind of peripherally checking in on. And if I don't have it, if I get sucked in, like if I get sucked into things like social media, that will just take me 
off of yeah. what I was doing. And so it's a funny uh, dance because I know that's not true for everyone. Yeah, I can't really sit there. If 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 I'm trying to do anything else other than watch what's on the TV, I just I I completely lose the plot. I I get it. I used to be able to multitask like that. I just at this point I I have to just do one thing at a time. I get it. I get it. All right. Well, I think I like more challenging television and stuff, so it kind of Yeah. I like stuff that just demands my attention. So that is my trick is that when I'm doing my background TV, yeah. It's almost like um rewatch stuff. So sure. if I, I like like I watched Breaking Bad and enjoyed Breaking Bad, I've done rewatch where I'm not totally honed in, but sometimes I catch stuff I didn't miss I, that I missed the first time. I'm like, oh damn, oh okay, not you know just little moments, little scenes, things that strike a different way. So um, yeah, try that. Try try a background rewatch of something and see how that strikes you. It might not work, but that makes sense. I mean, at this point, if I'm being honest, I really just watch YouTube. Oh, it's my favorite channel. YouTube is the, my favorite magazine. Although um, I'm not a fan of the algorithm anymore, it's it's throwing me some stuff that I'm I'm not. Well, not maybe into, you're but. maybe yeah. You need to you need to start cultivating those shrubs, brother. Yeah, Come on, start <laughs> working it out. Um, <laughs> so it's a start on Kate Bush's album Hounds of Love. I keep wanting to call it Hounds of Hate. Um, <laughs> on Hounds of Love, neither of us are Stranger Thing fans. No. But it's a huge conversation, and it's brought Kate Bush to the forefront for the first time in a long time. Pete, what was your familiarity with Kate Bush before this episode? So I'm actually a fairly big fan of this record, mm-hmm. um, and she did a record after this called The Sensual World that I really like, the record mm-hmm. before this, The Dreaming I really like, and then I've heard all of her other stuff. I've done the deep dive, um, and there are songs here and there, but you know, a lot of it misses me. Um, but I think she's really interesting. I've always really liked this record. I actually, the vinyl copy I have of this, I think I picked up in high school from Princeton oh, record exchange. Cause it still yeah. has the, the sticker on it for three ninety nine. Shout out P Rex. Um, so good pickup. Great record store. Um, I'm a fan. I've always thought that this record was great. Um, it's, it's like a, just, I think fantastic, like lush eighties kind of synthy mm. pop goth prog. I maybe record mm, mm. a lot of people point to a lot of proggy stuff in here, which I kind of picked apart on this listen. Um, but I'm a fan. Um, I think she's really interesting just as kind of a pop star too, where she got really, really big and then more or less disappeared. Um, mm-hmm. she kind of, I don't even know that she was playing live shows when this record came out or she stopped like shortly thereafter. So interesting kind of weirdo artist type, um, that stands apart from a lot of the like quote unquote pop stars of the time. So I like her music and I think she's just kind of separately an individual character. Um, what about you? Uh, the most casual of casual anytime Kate Bush was played or on, I I always found it, engaging and endearing but it's not a i never did the kate bush dive mm-hmm. um despite the fact that i know it butted up against a lot of stuff that i like and a, a style i like and, and something that i want to identify here it's cool. used but i've never found the genre that fits it so perfectly because there's artists now doing a lot of what kate bush 
did on this record and on some of her later like mid period material. Mm-hmm. And it's called it's just called indie rock at this point. You I know. know. What I mean? Yeah, I was gonna say that. This is identified as art pop, and I'm like, that's right. That's what this is. This is this really arty like theater made like this is what <laughs> oversized sweater messy ha- hair like who's who's the character from um breakfast club you know like yeah this is this is uh this is the is it ali sheedy character from the breakfast club like this is yeah this is the outcast allison ali sheedy right right right. this is what she was listening to this is and it it's a style that was both absorbed reimagined and repackaged sort of in the present tense i'm seeing a lot of it i'm seeing some of it in the you know in the 90s but it also got stomped on i think it kind of got stomped out by grunge um Mm. in a weird way by grunge and indie but like art pop like this is what was being played like next to college rock but it wasn't college rock right like yeah I wouldn't call this record a college rock record. I also feel weird calling it an indie record, but it's clearly an indie record. It feels like an indie record, but it's not. It's on fucking EMI. Well, I mean, it's indie is such a weird thing because like right. indie, indie rock started because it was actually like independent, kind of outside of the the mainstream, right? And, and like, and now, here's the thing: Do I feel comfortable calling this a rock record? Kind of, sort of, not really. Dude, I mean, I, I came across so many people calling it like prog pop, and I was like, okay, what? Okay, interesting. Like, I actually like. I'm not mad at that. Elements there, yeah. yeah I, I, I like art pop more. For I it. like art pop a lot for this. So, so to answer the question, not super familiar, but listen to this record. I'm so I find it to be so charming and engaging, and um, and happy that I, it's getting a weird uh, kind of acknowledgement right now because. It is a really good record, and Kate Bush was an artist who's done very well over the years, but seemed as though, it, and this is kind of the story for a lot of this stuff that's kind of become cult, right? Um, if you want to call it anything, we could start calling stuff cult rock. Sure. <laughs> um, not the band, the cult, but like stuff like The Smiths. Like The Cure had hits that really, really hit and got very, very popular. Yeah. The Smiths had like one or two singles that went na- that went international. But I would say the Smiths are a perfect example of cult rock. I think Kate Bush is cult rock. I think there's this cult thing where it's like, yo, it never quite hit. It never quite got over the hill in mainstream. It touched mainstream. It was yeah. in it had its feet in the water of the mainstream, but it never got swept up. And that's cult rock to me. I mean, it it did at the time in in England, at least, you know. Oh, and sure. Like, like well, I mean, that's 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 kind of our purview. I think yeah. a lot of the pop music of England and Europe, you know, like if it doesn't hit in the U- U.S., it's a it just has such a different market. It's sure. you know, it's it's the U.K. market is so much smaller than the U.S., which is a weird thing to talk about, but it is. It's a lot like the Canadian market. The Canadian market is a strong place. Big support for Canadian artists. There's a lot of stuff that starts there and grows bigger. You can be a very successful artist there and never gain appeal in the U.S. or on the international market. But you just don't grow to the same success. And I think that's the Kate Bush story. Like This is someone who was super, super popular there 
for a decade, maybe two decades, really? Like, what would you say from 1980 to 2000? She was a big deal. I mean, she kind of like stopped putting music out, what, in 1990 something? Um, yeah, maybe like yeah, maybe a couple years into the 90s, I think. Yeah, let me say 19, 1993. And then she kind of came back. Um, I remember when 50 Words of Snow, which came out in 20, 2011. Yeah. People were really stoked. Um, and that record got a lot of good reviews. I, I listened to it at the time, but don't remember it much. Um, so, and she wasn't playing live at all. She was more or less right. just kind of absent music from together. The, right. Yeah. She was just like really quiet and like out of the spotlight. So, so I would say really, it was really only a 10 year stretch ish, you know, 10 to 12 years that she was like big, big and kind of out there. <clears throat> and now she, you know, kind of just makes appearances here and there. So this is the funny, this is a really funny thing to read and we're not going to do Wikipedia diving, but um, in, in her story from the early era, Bob Mercer, who I believe is an EMI guy here, um, blamed Bush's later le- lesser success in the United States on American radio formats, saying there were no outlets for Bush's visual presentation. <laughs> EMI capitalized on Bush's appearance by promoting the album with a poster of her in a tight pink top that emphasized her breasts. <laughs> in an interview in, with NME in 82, Bush criticized the choice. People weren't even generally aware that I wrote my own songs or played the piano. The media just promoted me as a female body. It's like I have to prove that I'm an artist in a female body. Oh, man. Yeah. Yo, fucking dead on. Like, especially when you hear the music and hear what she's writing, like, this is this is really good stuff. It's um, really, really good stuff. Yeah. And like the music videos, there's, there is such a visual element, not in the way that the, the EMI guy <laughs> was talking about, but like, like her aesthetic was fantastic when like in, in her music videos and her, you know, the album artwork and all that stuff. Well, and so that's, that's where I wanted to kind of get to is this idea of art pop. Like what the hell is art pop? There's this weird emphasis and idea around what she's doing that I think appealed to somebody who was looking at music as a part of an art sculpture, as a part of an art world. Um, and like, yeah, like that's, there's a, there's a huge artistic quality to, especially let's kind of speak specifically towns of love to what she's doing. There's some conceptual stuff on the album, which we'll get to, but like there's a texture, there's a feel to this record. There's a holistic quality that I think supersedes a lot of records, even of the time that sets it apart. Like, are there elements of prog? Sure. There's elements of rock. Yes. New wave. Oh my God, new yeah. wave. Like there's a lot of these elements that are synthesized in a much more palatable way um, that are, there's atmospheric elements on this record that I don't think are, that are almost proto um, atmospheric music that was coming in the nineties. Whereas like, you know, the idea of atmospheric records is nothing new. Like that's some stuff that's really been going back into the sixties or, you know, certainly in the seventies, that was a very, uh, conscious style. Right. But if you ask me like some of the more atmospheric or gentle kind of music of the nineties, it was more to this than say, uh, the proggier atmospheric material of the early seventies. Does that track? 
that tracks for sure. Um, and then I think when you were talking about indie rock before, I'll say it's funny because even prior to all this stranger things stuff, um, there are indie artists now I'm thinking of like Kate LeBon and like Mitski, mm-hmm. for example, where I, I like both of them a lot, but there's so much Kate Bush in there and it's not just the music. It's also like just the eccentric kind of artistic, um, aesthetic of it, um, which they're kind of doing their own spin on it. Obviously it's not just like a straight rip in any way, but like, Mm -hmm. but there's so much Kate Bush in there, I think. Um, Oh, and I mean, I I think I listen to, you know, like Phoebe Bridgers, for example, there's so much Kate Bush in that, in the DNA, you know, um, with these elements where it's, it's really accessible and poppy, but then some really quiet moments and soft moments and, and, you know, a little bit of this drift in it. And, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think it's so built into the DNA of of the current quote unquote indie moment. Um, sure, that it's it's awesome to see this record getting checked in the way that it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we jump in, mm-hmm. just a few fun facts. So this is her best selling studio album. Um, this was kind of a comeback for her at the time because the album before this, The Dreaming, did not sell all that well. Um. And this was the first record that she recorded in her own studio. Mm. Um, she built her own studio prior to getting this whole thing started and just had musicians over and kind of built the whole thing organically. I think her brother was actually one of the um, players on the record too. Um, and I thought it was funny too. I found that this apparently knocked the Madonna record like a virgin out of the number one spot in the UK when it came out. Which was just very funny to me. It's amazing. Well, you know what? Pete, are you a Madonna fan? Uh, like, sure. You know, I, Ca- I Casually, you'd say. Yeah, casually. Yeah, right, I, know, do, I, know that, do... I know that I like the first record a lot. I have okay. that one. Okay, we should do... We should do... Man, what Madonna... We should do a Madonna record. I think the second or th- maybe the third. Um, True Blue, Like a Virgin. Yeah, True yeah. True Blue might be the one to do. The first one is a banger, man. First one's a super banger. I mean, I wonder about like True Blue has hits on hits on hits. Anyways, um, Lego Virgin's a great. Actually, maybe that's a fun way to do this: is we do this and see what it knocked out. Do Lego Virgin? Yeah, let's do Lego Virgin at some point. There's elements of it, and that's why I love this idea. It's like, look, Madonna. You could like Madonna. You could like this Lego Virgin record a lot and absolutely slide over to Hounds of Love and also really love it. Sure, but they're like compl- they're worlds apart I think in in so many ways, but but I could totally see that too. I, so for sure. I I I'm looking at like a Virgin and maybe like a Virgin's a a tough one. I think if you were listening to True Blue that has elements that would be comparable more so to uh, Hounds of Love, um, because there's a synth part to it, but it's still clearly pop music. And yes. the big difference to me is that Madonna is really vocal-based pop, whereas with Kate Bush, despite being an exceptional exceptional vocalist, it isn't totally vocal-based. You know, I don't think it's all no, struck, struck all. there. While there's moments, I mean, running up that hill, the first song, it's you know the big that's the Stranger Things song, et cetera, et cetera. 
I don't. It's far from my favorite. Spoiler: It's far from my favorite song on this record. I think it's a really good song, but I think it's got a super memorable vocal hook to it, which is why it's the the track used. It's why it clicks in and why like it's kind of struck people. Uh huh. But if that's the only song you know of this record, I think that might be betraying this record a bit. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, there's there's a lot more to this record than just yeah, the hits. Like yeah, if, we'll, if we'll you go. if if you only know cloud busting and uh, running up the hill, then you have the essence of it. But like, there's there's a lot more depth here, and that's that's where I say that you know it's a world apart from Madonna. I like there's depth to Madonna mm-hmm. in a way for sure. But, but it's it's vocal it's pop different. on a level, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And I, but I think that that's where where art pop stands is that it's this, it's still pop music. It's still really accessible, but it's kind of in this weird place. It's just a different energy. And I think you see that in some of the song structures. Mm-hmm. I think you see that in the lengths of the songs. These are not, you know, the first side of this record is 21 minutes long. There's a couple three minute songs. There's a couple five minute songs. Yeah. And if, if I was big label, going for you know a and r man said you don't hear a single on this i'd be like yeah you need to cut that song by two and a half minutes what are we doing you know (laughs) like like this is cool but this whole part's unnecessary however that's not what this record is it's it's really it has more of a like no no this is the song and you like it and it's catchy cool but there's also this whole part that i need to be a part of this for it to be complete to me um which i think separates it from something like madonna yeah. So I'm um, sorry. You were you were in mid mid comparisons and I, I went off on a Madonna tangent. No, no, I finished. We're all good. Okay. Um do we go right into track to track track by track? I think we go into track by track. Let's do this. Kate Bush, Hounds of Love. Pete, it opens with songs that's quite popular right now. Running up that hill, a deal with God. song and it's no surprise to me that you know people are just finding it now and you know people i mean younger people mostly sure and and just being like where did this come from eating it up yeah just eating it up um the drum beat that it kicks off with is great that kind of galloping beat Mm -hmm. the vocals come in super punchy and aggressively um some people hate her vocals i really like her vocals um me too yeah, I mean, so you know that that's like some people just can't even deal with her because of that alone. It's so wild, yeah. Because 
Um, well, you know what? <sighs> people hate to hear this, but there's one. There's two things. Two things people don't like to hear. One, there's some people who hear your voice and just hate your ass. That's it. <laughs> and, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Two, I think there's also a narrative that's created. And at the time, in popular music, Kate Bush's vocals definitely stand out. You know what yeah. I mean? And and especially there's when so you look at this song. There's so much dynamic, but it's doing things in a slightly... Like, you can hear this in the in the chorus, the running up that hill, I gotta deal with gone. She's she's doing a cadence that's really unique. And then, you know, the, 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 what notes she's hitting and the way she's hitting them is really kind of out of line. I say that because it is undeniably memorable and catching and like a hook, but it's not the normal hook. Yeah, this isn't the hook with the little edge that once it goes in, you pull it back and it's going to rip you out. This is the hook with a spiral that as soon as you start pulling it back, it's got these mini teeth that gets you and you're like, oh shit, I don't know this kind of hook. Really different vocals um, hook, but works so well. Yeah. And I think if you had someone who had a more uh, flat or technically quote unquote proficient or easy to, to swallow voice, Madonna isn't singing this chorus the same way. You no, can I mean, hear this song being sung if you put it in your head and sing it with a smoother running up that hill, make a deal with God. You know, <laughs> there's eight different ways you could do this, and none of them are going to hit. There's been plenty most, of covers, yeah. Right. And I don't think any of them are going to hit the same way as this, this version does because of her unique vocal style. Yeah. Um, so, and I think people hear that. I want to ask you. When you hear the song, does it feel of a time? It definitely does. I mean, this oh, record feels very, Hell, very, very eighties. Yeah, for Hell sure. Yes, it does. Um, I mean, I think that that's like that was probably, you know, uh, very intentional of from course. the Stranger Things camp, where it's like, oh yeah, we're doing a throwback show. Let's do a throwback song. Um, yeah. But at the same time, the the it's so synthy and lush that it's like a perfect kind of version of this kind of 80s sound mm -hmm. um which i think is why it like transcends and kind of works now as like a throwback thing but it's still super effective i mean i think you know like you said the songwriting is great um her vocal style is great i mean like if i only could make a deal with god it like it's not like a wistful kind of thing that you're talking about it's like frustrated and angry and like mm -hmm. it feels like desperate in a way absolutely um things i love in music uh it's so effective vocally. yeah it's so effective um uh, i think it's just an undeniably great song to me undeniably great song pete can i say something what's up a and r man's coming in it's too long too long <laughs> it's a really uh, no, good song okay and it. i yeah. respect it but i also listen to it and i'm like what are we doing here for this last minute what are we doing like like Dude, vibe. it's it's she demands the vibe it's such a vibe through the first part of it and that's the i think it's almost like you had the hook and you kind of have this song that flows and you're like okay okay i imagine it being like a jam session where you're going and you're like all right yeah this is really jamming and um 
and then you're, you you kind of keep going and you're like, okay, it's a little less exciting, but all right, all right. Yeah. Like you're, you're catching a vibe and then you all just kind of like fade out and you're like, okay, was, is, is that the song? Is that it? Yeah. I mean, I like the song. We, oh, I love the song. It's a great song. Oh, okay. And, and nobody had the balls to say. It's a great song, but then at the end we kind of were just fucking around. What are we doing? <laughs> Maybe we cut that part, but but no, I'll say the I'm, song is still an A. Yeah, it's a ninety-one, and I just go, hey, you know, uh, Kate and everyone else, um, this was so good. What a great essay! But the last paragraph, I could tell you ran out of things to say. I'll say this. I mean, I I am so used to this song being what it is i i can't i can't cut it but that being said to your point maybe there's room for you know the radio cut and the uh, album cut, right <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm sure there's a like 12 inch single version of this that has both that's so. a fantastic question that's so a fantastic question all right um still it's a straight up remarkably cool song and i also think um really cool album opener in a unique way. Like it kind of throws you in the mix right away. It Um, really does. It sets a mood and like the galloping beat into like the vocals right away, I think are super effective. Love how it kicks off. Love it. Um, And also I think when I start thinking about it in era, it's giving you something like different. If you're thinking new wave or synth pop or, or any kind of, slightly dancier rock type stuff. Um, You might not know what to think coming into this. And you're given something right out of the gate to be like, oh, okay, it's a a good jab to the ribs. And I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm in right away. Cool. Next track. Hounds of Love. Um, A solid song, but I think it's a little... (sighs) helter skelter in comparison to the first song um has big shoes to fill and starts to try to push out in different ways doesn't hit me nearly as much as many of the songs on this record but still a notably good song yeah i i I really like it in the context of the record and this one is this is one that you know I kind of said it at the beginning in a way, but it's, it's tough for me because I have had this for a long time and I'm a big fan of this record. So it's hard for me to like pick it apart um, because I just think of it as being like, this is the next song on the Kate Bush record. Um, I like it listening to it like headphones, listen, deep dive. Yep. I don't love this one individually as much as a lot of the other tracks on this. Um, I do think it works well in the flow of the record. I don't disagree, but I push that. I think this might be a weirder attempt to do more of a pop pop song, despite the fact that there's some erraticness to it. The tempo's yeah. higher. It's it's a little more pulsing tempo than running up that hill. Mm-hmm. Um, she's doing well, some. I, I real, like that they keep the same energy like that, though. Yeah, like, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, well, it's keeping it up. They don't go for a downshift till later, you know. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think there's any part that's nearly as catchy as the first track, which is once I, once again, I say big shoes to fill. Yeah. Um, but it, it does have, it, it's almost frenetic. Would you agree with that? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like the the like, are they woofs? Like the ooh, 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 like that whole thing. Is that supposed to be a hound of love in the background? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's a weird, it's a Most weird hound, kind of like that. Um, but uh, that's like weird. But she does. I mean, she's weird. That's the thing. She does a lot of expressive things with her vocals. She does a lot of like weird things throughout this record and her other records. So it's it it, it does have more of a pop sensibility. Um, to your point, right, exa- except that there's this weird ass part where she's barking, she's woofing. <laughs> right? So it is a woof, yeah. I think it's a woof. It's I think a it's a woof. Uh, it's a woof of a hound. It's a of hound love. of love. Yeah. Uh, yo, uh, you nailed it. All right, I'm <laughs> I'm giving it a little extra credit for its weirdness level because you're right. She's woofing. Yeah, she's woofing in a song. <clears throat> yeah, this is the um, first recorded woof on record. <laughs> I I don't know about that, but I mean, just getting back to it. I mean, it's it is less kind of intimate and emotional than the first song. Um, it does feel like silly and frenetic in a way, um, and I don't like that energy as much as I like the sort of running up the hill, like serious emotional energy from her. So yeah, I don't I don't love it as much as a lot of these tracks, but but it's cool. Well, and so, I mean, that takes me... Uh, let's go to the next track, The Big Sky. Big Sky is a great follow-up to Running Up That Hill. I think it hits a lot of the same notes that Hounds of Love does, where it feels a little more like a little more traditional structure. There's a little bit more of a playful energy. It's not nearly... It doesn't have that same desperation. It's a little bit more... Uh, it's a little more frilly. You know, mm-hmm. um, Lush is a word you've used several times to describe this record, and I actually think that's a perfect word. Um, almost plush. I would say because it's, <laughs> there's a softness to this record, but at the same time, like I said, at the same time, it has teeth, it has an energy, it's it's going, and that's what I feel on Big Sky. Uh, I think this r- song is a great example of what art pop is, where it's like unafraid to not have a structure, but still musically have all these accessible hooks and melodies and tempos and things that make you want to dance, even if it's angular and weird at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one, I agree with pretty much all of what you said. Um, I think that the first three songs on this record, this third song hits kind of this apex where 
the songs just kind of keep getting louder and more energetic. And this mm-hmm. one gets super loud. It has like, it's really percussion driven. Yes, um, yes, yes. So the, the percussion pushes me into a place where I'm like, oh, uh, I would give this to a Duran Duran fan and say, yo, sure. here's, here's the Kate Bush song for you. you yeah, know? like at a certain point, it feels like you're listening to a drum circle in the background with, over these like, <laughs> with these like huge layered vocals on top of it. It gets really intense. Um, the outro on this has these kind of like fading in and out guitar leads that I think mm-hmm. are pretty cool that are also very of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately I like this song in the flow of the album, but I don't love this song like hounds or sorry. Um, running up the hill is such a great song mm-hmm. that she kind of does herself a disservice in the flow of the record because this one I still think is really good, but it just like, it doesn't hit that high. Maybe she she was on a 2022 wave because now in the streaming era that's the move you put your your best song as your first track. She just was she, she was had just foresight. Yeah, uh, uh, we're just 2000 and late, you know. Um, <laughs> just as a, a callback, looking into running up that hill, um, there is no radio cut. There is an extended version that pulls the song to 540. Ah, if the five minute version wasn't long enough. They've got a 543. So just no you know, radio cut. Interesting. I know it's amazing. Hey, the UK doesn't fuck around. I love it. Um, All right, I'm with it. Yeah, I I also agree. The the first three tracks really do kind of it's all build. Yeah, and, uh, it kind of culminates at the big sky, and then comes mother stands for comfort. Go in. So this is like the reprieve. Um, it it gets bigger yes. and bigger for the first three tracks. And then this one just really brings it down. Um, I actually really, really like this song a lot. Um, they're like these weird, like, like, uh, alien sounding like synth effects on it as like a bridge to the chorus that I think are yes. really great. Um, I just think the song has a really nice flow. I really like how the vocals, they're never really up front in this song. They kind of just like flow in and out um over this really consistent beat um which i feel like this song is more of like a mood piece than like like a like song or like pop song in the way that some of these other tracks are Mm -hmm. i also really like the piano on it um it feels like sparse enough but it's still it's still very layered but it feels it's so well put together that it it feels sparse in its own way, but I, I, I think this record or this song is really, really good. I'm a fan. What do you think? I'm also a big fan. I'm trying to play something here, Pete. Uh, this song reminds me so much of a Madonna song. Um, and I'm trying to figure it out. Give me 30 seconds. How does this compare in terms of, cause I, I also agree in the flow once you get to this point, I'm like, oh, the flow is immaculate. I think the flow on this record is so, so impressive because it's almost, it feels intentional. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. And so that's why when you get this, which is kind of like the, you know, it's like a downshift. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been thinking a lot uh, for a record that we're doing sooner or later about these different things we talk about texture plays this um the soft to loud loud to soft yeah and i've been thinking about different versions of that i'm also impressed because kate bush doesn't on this record 
enact that very often. She almost doesn't need to. She's almost more skilled, but she does that. This She's playing more with the tempo and they pull back and it enables her to do more vocally. Um, she's doing a lot vocally. I guess yeah. I should say on a uh, pulled back tempo, it shines more. And I, I love this song. Not my favorite song on the record, but like a competitor. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the soft to loud thing, I th- I feel like the shifts in that are maybe less aggressive than they could be because she's kind of always, at least in her vocals, I feel like there's always a big range. Like her vocals can go really big on a quieter song or really soft on a louder song. So she, in her, in her vocal range, I feel like she's always playing with that dynamic, but yeah, to your point, the song itself might have more or less a consistent, you know, build or like a consistent beat behind it. So yeah, I'm with that. The Madonna song I'm referencing is Live to Tell off True Blue. Reminds me of this song a lot. Okay. Um, so uh, I think that'll be my last reference to Madonna because I don't honestly think Kate Bush and Madonna have a lot, but I, I <laughs> there's some weird parallels when you I'll know Madonna very well. Yeah, the song's a weird slow one um, and has some of those funny effects in the background so uh yeah that that live to tell was the song i was trying i was racking my brain to find um <laughs> i love it next song cloud, cloud busting. busting um this is like in my opinion one of the best like art pop synth pop songs ever written um, uh my favorite song on the record yeah i mean it's it's like undeniably just a fantastic song um i think it's better than running up that hill although they're comparable um yes. beautiful song great build um it's a great transition um from like the build to this kind of moving beat in it um the lyrics and the vocal performance are great um they're like straight just the production on this whole record is great but i feel like it really shines on mm-hmm. this song in particular there's like a string section that fades in and out in the background that's really oh. tastefully done um, it's this is where the the term charming comes to my head with this record is that I'm pulled in right away. I'm like, oh. yeah, like the jun, 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 on the strings. The arrangement is so perfect. It's great. And um, there's a really nice interplay with her vocals and her vocal style. Because yeah, again, the cadence, um, yeah, the cadence is stunted in a way that stringed instruments can be. Uh, that is very different from you know most than than a guitar oh, that the string instruments that we hear here are much more than a guitar would be like guitar you're letting it ring out it's playing through you know a guitar can be stunted but you almost that's that's when you hear it you know um yeah whereas a, a violin or you know cello i guess or other big stringed instruments you're it's it's innate in the nature and that plays so well to her vocals yeah, I mean the the just saying it could ne- or just saying it could even make it happen. That part is like it's so good. Um, is and this the her yeah, best AOs at the end? Is like this the her best build? Is this her best vocal performance on the record? I think it might be to me. It might be. Yeah. It's so, which is to say, it's also just the best song, which is tough. But that's yeah. the hard part. And yeah. here we go again. Five minutes. The separator for me is structurally, I just like the song more than Running Up That Hill. Running Up That Hill has a catchier chorus, mm-hmm. better hook, 
everything else I like better on Cloud Busting. What a song. What a song. Like, this is the track. Track Hunters, here's one of the best tracks we've ever talked about. For sure. Agreed. Um, I'll say, though, you know, when we talked about Jawbreaker, we talked about, like, bands that we may like somewhat, but who, like, in their wake, there's not much that good came from it in our, you know, opinions. Yeah, yeah. Um, the outro to this song made me just think about that in a way where I was like, is this like what Arcade Fire try to do? Or like, like any of those kind of like big, like oh. indie bands, because I'm like, this is probably what they're trying to do. But it's just like, for me, it never worked. And I actually find it pretty cringy a lot. Of, like most of the time, you know, it's really funny, but here you it said is. It, I started to cringe. You were right. Because um, <laughs> I love it in this Kate Bush song. But uh, you know not what? Arcade it's, Fire do it. No, I, I like I, Mumford I, and Sons or something. For some reason, in this context, there's no pretense to it. It just feels like an honest, like, hey, like that's that's a separator to me with art pop and the idea of it. It's unapologetic in some of its grandness, you know, like. <sighs> I don't know how to explain this in a way that makes sense to people, but I'm going to use this comparison. Hopefully it connects with one person. You could be out with one of your buddies and they could be going through it and acting the fool and being overly dramatic. And you go, you know, what are you doing? You're not yourself. You're acting like, like, what is this? This is not who you are, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It'll be an overly dramatic. But you also might have a friend in the drama club in high school who that is their life. They are overly dramatic every second of every day. (laughs) So when they act that way, you have no compunction or pause and accept it fully. And you don't go, hey, Bill, you're acting overly dramatic today. It's like, no, 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 That's, that's built into this. And that's what I feel about Kate Bush is that like the grandness and theatrics and, and scope, it's like, you know, the, the limit, there is no limit. And and built into that is this unapologetic nature, which makes it feel great. Whereas with some of the, you know, acts that you've described or the broader genre, man, rock music post 2000, that sometimes just gets true. Yeah, <sighs> ugly for no reason. We got to do some post two thousand rock records to really see if we can dial it in. Oh, but man. it just, it's like, um, it's wearing a neon shirt. You either own it and they're like, "I'm wearing a fucking neon shirt." What? What? And like, it's nothing to you, or you're wearing a neon shirt and you're like pointing at it all the time. Uh, <laughs> Kate Bush is wearing a neon shirt and it's not a thing. Uh, Arcade Fire is wearing a neon shirt and pointing at it all night. Like, look at my shirt. It's so crazy. <laughs> don't don't be neon shirt guy. True. Be Kate Bush. Yo, fun fact before we move on. This song was performed live for the first time in 2014 as an encore song. What? Yeah. Ah, art pop. There it is. <laughs> crazy. All right. So let's talk about the B side of this LP. Side two. So the B side, Kate Bush side two T-shirts. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be really good. Good, yeah. good homage. Yeah. Um. So the B side going in, it's called the Ninth Wave. Um, 
and it is once a again. There's no limit to the theatrics. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, she's go really truly going for it. It's a suite of seven songs that takes up the entire B-side of the album. And actually, I found a quote from her talking about it that I wanted to read. Um, she says, the ninth wave was a film. That's how I thought of it. It's the idea of this person being in the water, how they've got there, we don't know. But the idea is that they've been on a ship and they've been washed over the side, so they're alone in this water. And I find that horrific imagery, the thought of being completely alone in all this water. And they've got a life jacket with a little light so that if anyone should be traveling at night, they'll see the light and know that they're there. And then they're absolutely terrified. And they're completely alone at the mercy of their imagination, which again, I personally find such a terrifying thing. The power of one's own imagination being let loose on something like that. And the idea that they've got it in their head and they mustn't fall asleep. Because if you fall asleep when you're in the water, I've heard that you roll over and so you drown. So they're trying to keep themselves awake. And that's uh, what the ninth wave is about, according to Kate Bush. Like I said, the limit is infinite and it's unapologetic <laughs> here. Yep. Um Let's talk about these songs track by track, but also with the idea that it's a bit more holistic. Yeah. Uh, I'm in on this fully. Uh, I think this is where the record starts to have a slightly, like there's a different feel to it um, in terms of there's elements on this B-side that remind me more of like an Enya record than a lot of other material. <laughs> and I say that lovingly because <clears throat> that one Enya record is cool. Uh, you um, there's a lot of music. I mean, somewhere between Enya and the Cranberries is this B-side of this Kate Bush record. Um, and Dream of Sheep, it's it's soft, uh, piano, kind of slow and moving, but also a little unsettling. Um, mm-hmm. It's weird. But this is total project music to me. I could be doing something and listening to this. And I'm in. Like I, I can, I could, I can do creative stuff while listening to this without being pulled away from it. If that makes sense. Sure. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you were a kid at the time, or even now, or even if you hear this on Stranger Things, and you're like, "Oh, Kate Bush running up that hill. This is awesome. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy the album." Mm-hmm. And then you buy the album. This is where you're like, "Oh, this is like a different kind of." pop star i guess um that's the thing i love so much is that hey here's the here's the curveball i've now written this half a record that's longer than the first half yep that's essentially just you know uh, people want to say you know this this is a vibe this is a full-on mood and you're coming through it with me and uh wearing the neon shirt sleeveless neon shirt but you know what it's a it's a past i think it's like a neon pink like light pastel (laughs) is the color i'm getting from this uh yeah (laughs) or maybe a fuchsia like a washed fuchsia um sure it's it's just a it's it's weird and beautiful and haunting in the way that pop records are not yeah you know and that's where why i would say like i think it's remit you're remiss to dismiss this as a pop rock a pop record because it's something more than that from the a side I'd, I'd say these songs are not traditional pop songs but then you get to the b side and you have stuff that is really catchy um so kind of going through this anything specific to say about and dream of sheep or under ice 
Uh, Dream of Sheep, I think it's a beautiful ballad, but it's like less effective than than some of the more memorable moments on the first side. But it's Agreed. it's it's not intended to be like a really memorable moment. I think it's meant as kind of like an introduction slash reprieve Correct. from like the grandiosity of a lot of the A side. Agree. Um, it's, short, it's like short enough too, where it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's just kind of part of the the suite, I guess. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's both an intro and. Um, a and now for something a little bit different moment. So um, I, I strongly agree. I think it's soft. I think it's pleasant, but it's not nearly as memorable um, as any of the big moments. You you all of a sudden understand like, hey, I'm not looking for a pop hit with this one. Yeah, and I think the same thing with Under Ice because mm-hmm. this is where this I think probably more than any of the songs on the B side feels like it's almost strictly meant as like a bridge like a mood song. Um, it's kind of just meant to connect one piece of the story to the next. Um, so it's kind of like an interlude. Um, I think it's really cool. I like the sonics of it, but it's, uh, you know, it's not a track that you're going to where it's like, let's put that song on my mixtape. But at no, the same this, time, in the this flow is a con- of the B side, I think it's great. Context track, 100%. Yeah. Some severity to it. All of a sudden, when you hear, when you give that quote that you give, you start to feel like, oh, okay, that's where we're at. All right, I get it now. So 100% of context track. But then when we get to the next one, which is Waking the Witch, this song kind of stands on its own in my opinion. It definitely does. Like there's very few that s- things that scare me at this point. I always thought that this song was like horrifying. That witch voice is really scary. You you alluded to kind of a goth element. Yo, there is a weird goth element, especially on this song. For um, sure. There's elements of this song that are almost proto-industrial. Well, th- see, this is where when people were talking about her having all these prog influences, mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, this like a band like Goblin that did like like Italian horror film soundtracks, this could be a goblin song basically. Yeah. Um, so it, there is like a lot of that kind of proggy, just weird effects and, yes. and mood stuff going on here for sure. Memorable. I also, song, I also think it really works well in the, in the, in the flow of oh, the record. Sorry. Oh no, no. You, because as we were describing, you, you described the song as, did you say horrifying, terrifying? Yeah. Um, yeah. This bridges, from a song that we described as like pretty and pleasant uh, then un- under ice right into waking the witch. I agree. Uh, you know, there's a severity to under the ice 
that then bridges into Waking the Witch, and all of a sudden you've flowed perfectly into a song that, yes, there's some real moments here that are dark on this track. Yeah. The church bells. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's really intense. The synth, the synth stuff going on in this song is harder than almost any other part of the record. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're looking for something with a little bit more kick and punch to it, that's the track. Yeah. Watching you without me. Um, also feel this, this one's is, a little more memorable too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's memorable, but I also I see this as kind of like a vibe song too. Um it um it's weird. This one has like a little bit more of a psychedelic feel than I feel like the rest of the record has. Um it reminded me of there's this ambient group that I like called Gaussian Curve. Okay. What a name. Um yeah, highly recommended. Um okay. great, great, great like study music if you want something to just like work to or hang out to. Um but it sounds like a Gaussian curve song if if there were no vocals on it. So obviously she has her vocals on here and it's a different thing. I mean, I want to say this. It's very I, moody. Uh, yes, agree. I think that her vocals bleed into the music in a really beautiful way on the B side mm-hmm. of this record. I, mean, I, I also think that on the A side, but on the B side, because we are in this sort of like proto ambient, pseudo ambient energy to this, this suite, um, that she's using her mouth sounds as an additional instrumentation uh, that plays really well. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I dig this song. It doesn't stand out as much as Waking the Witch in terms of like, whoa, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. But it's pulling you. And, and this is kind of where we're going through the flow of a suite where if you're writing a suite, just as this goes, you're putting a big spotlight on your flow yeah and i think this is a great example of maybe one of the best flows to a record that i've ever that we've talked about for sure yeah i'll co-sign that now do you want to talk about the next track jig of life are you typically a fan of jigs bob i'm not (laughs) are you a fan of this song though i am yeah. It's really good. I, I is this the, the best way. jig? Is this the best jig song we've ever heard? You know, best jig. I think this is the best jig song. I don't think we need to say much more, but <laughs> let's tease it. If you've never enjoyed jig music, <laughs> check out Kate Bush's Jig of Life. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, you I mean, have I'm, to hear it. I, I almost don't Scottish, even want to say but... anything else because I think you have to hear it. Yeah, you have to hear it. I mean, I'm mostly Scottish, so I was thinking, like, does this just, like, speak to my heritage in some weird way that I'm unaware of? I'm not sure, but, like, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in on this one. Okay, Uh, next track is Hello Earth.
Um, it feels like uh, I will say this whether it's David Bowie or um, some of the more prog rock stuff we've talked about or spacier stuff there's almost these like return to earth home safe landing type songs and this has that same feel but it's welcome to me yeah yeah I mean this this feels like there's like some of that cloud busting running up that hill energy on this that she hasn't really toyed with all that much on this side of the record. Mm -hmm. Um, So it does. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think this might be my favorite song on the B side, maybe because of that. Um, The, the, there's like when it picks up about a minute in, um, I love it. It hits so hard. Um, It like affects me the way it, it, it almost feels like a, like an effective movie score to me. Mm. It's like, like, like that moment in like the war movie where there's the Hans Zimmer soundtrack and it's like really emotional and you just like feel that part. Like it hits me like that. Um, The choir voices at the end, like are a bit much. It just goes on for a bit too long and just is a little too much like choir energy for me. But overall, I, I really, really like this song. Well, I have a question to ask because I think it flows perfectly. However, this song feels more like a closer to me. I could see that. And I think if you were actually listened like through the lyrical content and the con- context of said story, that's the, this is like a weird narrative story. That's the end. It's like, okay. And then our story ended. Mm-hmm. But the next track the morning fog is the next day. It's the like, oh, you wake up, your your terrible journey has been finished and you were safe. And that was the last song. And now you woke up and you're safe and sound. That's the morning fog. So I'm very curious what you think of the morning fog as a closer because I really like this song. Structurally, I don't know if I'd like it more. Like I love the flow of it. I think it works totally in the flow, but it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, how does a day fly flow into the next? Well, it does. But if you were to say midnight flows into 8 a.m. the same, it doesn't. You know, there's a time in between. Um, and the morning fog feels like 8 a.m. to me. I think it's a really kind of exceptional, weird song that if you were to, if, if like I said, I would give, um, uh, what was it? Waking the, no, it wasn't. Waking the Witch were given to the Goblin fan. I think I am giving. Uh, what's the song I'm giving? I'm watching giving, you without me. No, uh, 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 is it the Big Sky? I'm giving to the Duran Duran fan. Um, oh yeah, yes, I'm giving that that to the Duran Duran fan. I'm giving the Phoebe Bridgers like, uh, like uh, uh, Julian Baker fan the Morning Fog. This is the song I'm giving them to check out because I think there's these kind of like softer vocal stylings that are really unique but like the way they play with the music reminds me a lot of those artists i could see that yeah i mean to your point i do think hello earth would make a good closer and the morning fog one of my notes actually was that it picks up a bit suddenly from hello earth like it's uh it's it's pretty jarring when the morning fog comes in Mm -hmm. but i'll give it to kate bush because i feel like that has to be intentional particularly with what you're talking about it's like narrative. this, it's 100% this, yeah, it's this person waking up it's like this like kind of 
jolt of energy. Um, and ultimately I like the song. I think it makes for a good closer. It's, and it's also, it's quick. Um, Mm -hmm. it definitely doesn't affect me like some of the best moments on the record. Um, but I don't think that's the effect she's going for here. I I, I love the track and think it's like, yeah, it's cool. I think it's a stand on its own song, which is a weird thing to say for the last song of a suite of songs on a B side of a record that's admittedly saying, yeah, and here's the B side, which is a little different than everything else we did, you know? Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah. Um, a great record. Great. Flat out. And, uh, one I'm excited for us to get into the ratings on here, Pete. So let's, let's, let's talk Turkey. You ready? Let's do it. Holistic quality out of 20. Um, overall good. You want to give, I'm giving it a 16. Wow. I think it's a um, really high level record. Yeah, I think it's great. I'm right there. I give it a 17. Okay. The highs out of 10. Uh, Kate Bush hits these moments for me sometimes on this record, but also on other records. Like there's a song called this woman's work on the central world that like, it's one of those songs I can't even put it on. Like it like affects me. Oh yeah. Like I yeah, have yeah. to like, I have to either like be in or just like leave the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some moments on this record for that. So I have to give it a 10 because like she actually, she hits those notes for me. I give it a nine. I think it's unbelievably high level. How about lows? Pete, I'm giving it a seven. I don't really think there's any lows. I guess maybe I could, I could do without some of the, like if you made me cut a song here, I could do it and I'd feel all right. But like the lows of this record are still pretty goddamn good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gave it a seven too, just because if I'm not there for it at a specific time, I might just, it might be a little too much for me, but it's mm-hmm. really, it's, it's such a mood record that, that, uh, yeah, it's, it depends on my mood. So I gave it a seven a competency, peer review out of 10. I'm giving it a nine out of 10. I think it stands up well among any record of the eighties that uses synth, which is a huge swath of records. Many of which I really enjoy. Yeah. I think it's exemplary. I am, uh, very impressed by it and very happy to have done this dive. It's a nine to me. Cool. Yeah, I gave it a nine um, just because there are so many like synthy records, but I could just as well have given it a 10 because uh, like, I don't know. She feels peerless in a lot of ways. That's right. And and, and on this record, I think it's pretty impressive. Like, yeah. Um, drag factor out of 10. I gave it an eight. It really doesn't drag. But there's a couple moments that, like I said, I, I think you could trim a little bit here and there that's part of the artistic nature. So I'm leaving room for saying like, hey, if I'm not in the mood, I might skip something. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's an eight. It's, it doesn't drag very much. I don't think it drags very much at all. I gave it a nine. Flow. Uh, Pete, it's a 10 for me. Perfect score. Flows perfectly. Same. Aesthetic out of 10. Um, I like the cover art. Um, I think she has a great sense of aesthetics in general. I think if we take into, into account the, uh, music videos and things that she did for this record, um, which I think we have to, in a way it's pretty, pretty great. So I'm going to give it an eight. 
I'm giving it an eight. I love the record cover. Uh, if I'm doing anything, if if I'm gonna take away from it, I think that um, this record cover is awesome because it's sort of. I think it nails her vibe and energy. Whereas then, if I look at records like the whole story, I'm like, mm, could this have just been a like, um, like generic pop star album cover du jour? Yep. But Hounds of Love has a different feel to it. It's it's kind of dreamy. It I think it sets the tone. If you look at kind of the spacey hair stuff going on, it's cool. Like. It's great. The two dogs, like, what are we doing? This is cool. It's cool. It's pretty great. Eight out of ten. Impact and influence. I mean, I feel like I have to give it a ten because there's so many. There's just, I feel, I feel her very present in contemporary indie rock music, in particular. Yeah, I do too. But I gotta say this: it's a nine for me, only because where was this conversation before this goddamn Stranger Things show? And yes, there were people who liked this record before that. A lot of people. I know some of the people who have been championing this record. Shout out to my dude, Hans. Uh, <laughs> yo, not everybody does, does, though. All of a sudden, everybody loves this record. I'm here. I'm saying I'm a convert. But uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just knocking off one point because there's a lot, a lot of newbies here. Sure. The intangible, et cetera. Just kind of the... the feelings you get for it the extra credit etc i'm giving it a seven out of ten just because i'm relatively new to it but i was incredibly impressed with this record and you know we've said it about different records i think this is one that deserves a spot at the table of the 80s which to me is a big big world and uh here we are and this is a fantastic record yeah this one always this record always hit me like i said i've had it for a while i've been a fan um I, I think there's something really, really special about this record, so I'm going to give it a 10. Uh, Pete, I ended up at a very robust 83, and I think you're going to be higher. Nice. I'm at a 90. Love it. I feel like it's appropriate. I do, too. Uh, I love sh- this record. I really like Kate Bush, so I'm in. Shout out, Kate Bush. We'll, Shout we'll out, We'll have Kate you on Bush. anytime. Uh, <laughs> Pete, where can people send us emails? Send us emails uh, trackspod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at at trackspod and five star reviews only five stars please thank you and good night good night
put this moment here. I put this moment here. I put this moment over here.